All right, for our industry update this morning, we're chatting about some LA film market news. So basically some more data has been released on how the broader LA film market has adjusted to the pandemic. And though there are some bits of information that inspire optimism going into 2021, the uh, numbers uh, that summarize broader production schedules for 2020 are not great. So here's some reporting out of Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Nonprofit benefit and research organization for the greater LA media economy, Film LA, recently released its 2020 television report. And it goes into detail uh, on various kinds of TV and film content types and their production numbers over the year. And what we saw is that most every type of TV media saw less production in 2020, which I guess could be expected, but quantifying it, I think, really puts it into perspective. So here are some specific stats. The most biting number, at least in my opinion, was for on-location filming in Los Angeles, which fell just short of 19,000 shoot days in 2020. Sounds like, you know, a decent number, but compared to the around 36,500 shoot days in 2019, this was a 48% decline. And that 48% decline set a new record low for production yield over the last 25 years. And that has been basically the majority of the period that Film LA has been reporting out of the region. Q4 production for film in general, and that includes television, saw some slight growth compared to the rest of the year, but was still down 25% to 2019. And the balance between film and television production was surprisingly askew in 2020 as TV dominated the, uh, you know, albeit minimal production. So 54% of total Q4 shoots were TV shoots compared to only 38% of shoots in Q4 of 2019 being TV. So we actually saw a boost there. All of this, you know, even though there are some points of optimism there, still points to a uh, beleaguered film economy in L.A., which leaves things up in the air for film and television industry professionals. Uh, What we hope to get some clarity on today is what will be the net effects of such a slowdown? Will work return in the same way? And how do these numbers reflect expectations for the content that'll lead in 2021? So for insights today, we're joined by our newest member to the market scale team, our newest resident Hollywood guru, Mr. <laughs> Gregory Bordelon. Gregory, great to have you on, man. How you doing? Ah, oh, Daniel, great to be on. I'm so excited to be at Market Scale and uh, happy to talk about Hollywood today. Yeah, so for a little context, Gregory here uh, has several years of experience working on the production side of the broader Hollywood industry, uh, recently joined us here at Market Scale in Dallas. Uh, but, you know, he's got a keen interest on all things Hollywood, uh, from content to production types to uh, just the broader effects on the workforce. So we're going to be hearing from Gregory probably more frequently on our program to give us some news and insights coming out of California and the film industry. So, Gregory, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh man, and and I am too. I'm I'm happy to make this transition. Uh, content content's everywhere now, so it's excited to talk about it in terms of you know regionality, but also um, you know bringing it to you guys. It's exciting. Totally. So let's go ahead and jump into the rest of this story. I've got some more stats to toss your way and then just some uh, pontificating on the future of the industry. So again, overall on-site media production in L.A. dropped 48%, which is an at least 25-year low. 
uh, based on what you've heard from colleagues and, um, uh, you know, just general industry news, how has this impacted the livelihoods of film and TV professionals in the area? Any insights there? Well, when operating on a film set, you are getting tested every day. Uh, these are production members um, or production crew members. So let's say you work as a coordinator, a production assistant, your makeup, your hair, you're a cinematographer, you're a first assistant director, second assistant director, anything what they would call below the line production crew members are on set in the field wearing masks and they're doing their best not to get COVID every day. It's really unfortunate when you have one to two crew members test positive because these COVID compliance officers, which are newly hired positions within the past year, will have to shut down a set. Uh, sometimes these COVID compliant officers are people who uh, were formerly production coordinators or even production assistants. Uh, sometimes they're actually hired from medical backgrounds to go to film sets, but a lot of productions still don't know how to operate and have these COVID compliance officers in their productions. It's really the Wild West all over again. Um, and I mean, sorry, let me say that again. It's really the Wild West out in Los Angeles. Um, and for anyone that's doing any on-site production within the region. I guess Wild West quite literally as well. Uh, <laughs> another stat that stood out to me was a drop in TV pilot activity, which was down 61% in 2020 with only 149 pilot shoot days in the whole year. And many of those canceled shows you know, tried to move to Q4 of 2020, but several pushed back deep into 2021 to continue shooting their pilots. So how does this impact uh, barriers to entry? for new TV content moving forward? Does this mean smaller pilot operations get squeezed out first? Uh, is it kind of a level playing field? Just everyone is suffering a bit with new content until later in the year. Give us a rundown of uh, that dynamic. Yeah, interesting. Interesting you say smaller too. I, I, think the, I think streaming networks, it seems to be that they are only green lighting projects that are coming back for season twos. Um, why is that? Well, because a lot of these productions already have seasoned production members that have worked together before. There isn't a learning curve when coming together with a, you know, a new hiring team of about 20 to 30 people. Four shows that are actually filming right now. You have Never Have I Ever on Netflix. You have Dear White People also on Netflix. Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is HBO. And Call Your Mother, which is a newly greenlit pilot on ABC. Some different examples, right? in different size productions too. Dear White People is the largest production. It hires about like 150 people. They've probably scaled back to around 75 during these COVID times. Call Your Mother is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And it, it just depends on the kind of production. Um, I think what I will say is it is harder for new creators to get their work greenlit these days. Studios, streamers, networks are not as willing to greenlight new projects because it is so much more legwork to bring on a new team and new content to the forefront than it is to you know keep moving forward with writers rooms that you've already established a season or two with you know, that's why right now we're seeing never have i ever dear white people curb your enthusiasm those shows getting a season and actually they're in production right now um, an exception to this, actually, uh, ABC is currently filming a new pilot called Call Your Mother. Uh, it's filmed in front of a live studio audience. 
and they limit this the amount of people that are actually in the audience to only 50 people. They reduce the scale of the crew that's working on site in the studio. Um, the reason this is probably greenlit and filming is because ABC's been gearing up to film that show probably for two years, and they were going to take a huge loss if they weren't going to get it into production in 2021. That's an exception to the rule. ABC is a, a huge network. They have the capability and the funds to test people every day and to you know, get those productions going. It's really hard for the little guy in LA right now. It, it'll cost you a lot of money to get a COVID compliance officer. It'll cost you a lot of money to do on-site testing every day. And if you're working with a budget of a million dollars, that's not enough anymore. You have to have a larger budget in order to accommodate for these extreme times. And then the other stat that stood out to me in this report was the only type of TV production that saw gains in 2020, and that was reality television, which grew 93% year over year in Q4 and even beat 2019's yearly numbers for reality TV shoot days. So, you know, overall, uh, it was actually a boom for that side of the industry. So based on needed labor, scheduling dynamics, uh, gear requirements, as well as access to capital, will this content uh, lead or have the most ROI for media producers and media capital in 2021? If so, why? And do you think this is going to influence the kind of content that consumers see this year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not specifically sure what show um, is in reference to this statistic, but with reality, everyone is their own television show these days. So the reliance on uh, captured media that people can film on their cell phones, we're used to that as a culture now. So reality TV is seeing a boom because it's easier to isolate people with less manufactured environments. If you're making a narrative, you're going to have to build a set, you're designing it a certain way, you're creating a fictitious world. In reality, you don't have to do that. You can kind of show it for what it is. You can strip down and make your crew skeleton size. It's it's so much easier to develop reality content these days. Um, and the return on investment, of course, it's it's going to be higher because we still need content. And at this point, the beast is being fed and it, and it doesn't care what it's being fed, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't seem like uh, reality TV shows are stopping any of their own spinoffs. I mean, you know, just for anecdotal evidence, my girlfriend watches a lot of 90 Day Fiance, mm. and I am consistently amazed at how many spinoffs there are within the 90 day universe. Same with uh, The Bachelor. Um, you know, during the pandemic, they launched uh, their, um, their music themed bachelor season which was a whole new concept and you know th that uh continues to show that i guess there's growth in that market i mean clearly the numbers reflect that but i wonder do you think that consumers are going to continue to eat up reality tv if it becomes the norm like do you think that the industry might uh overestimate how much reality tv the consuming audience can take uh and i, I don't know do you foresee that there might be an overinvestment in fresh reality tv content 
I think so, but I think you're going to see it from the same conventional places. It seems like Netflix would be a streamer that would overinvest into reality because they're seeing their biggest numbers in it. Um, streamers like HBO, Amazon, I don't see them investing in it as much because they really want to establish themselves as these you know, artistic auteurs of our time. Um, in the digital space, though, I think reality is being embraced tenfold. You have these integrations between Instagram and TikTok. Um, you, you're seeing how all of this cross-pollination that's happening in the digital space, we're, we're going to get to the point where we won't be able to discern between reality and um, narrative because some of these things are really blending in, in the digital space. So some final questions here to look ahead into 2021. Where do you think all of this leaves the industry as production slowly increases in 2021? And based on the kind of squeeze we saw in the industry, uh, do you think there's going to be enough production professionals to pick the pace back up and to grow that content output? I think there is a little bit of optimism. I mean, as of yesterday, Thursday, January 28th, SAG-AFTRA, the Producers Guild of America, and the Joint Policy Committee, which is a bargaining group that works for commercial advertisers and advertising agencies, all agreed that this upcoming Monday, February 1st, all filming is cleared to resume in Los Angeles. This is any size scale production. There are truly no limitations as long as you're abiding by the CDC guidelines and the Department of Public Health Safety Code. This comes days after Governor Gavin Newsom decided to lift the regional stay-at-home order. Um, people in LA need to work. The need for it is being recognized. And Los Angeles is still the COVID hotspot in the United States. You're kind of playing with fire here. Um, if I was to give a general assessment of people working below the line, most people will want to get back to work. Testing is required for all productions. And in addition to that, weekly testing during production is required at minimum. This means that you're going to be tested when you get to set, you're going to be told to quarantine when you get home, and you're going to have to abide by that because if you don't, they will still shut down the set. But if someone has tested positive, they only need to wait 10 days instead of 14. Um, the exception being hair and makeup artists on set must wear a face shield additionally to a face covering. And why? Because they're the ones in closest contact with talent. Talent are your most expensive assets on a production. Um, all that being said, with everything opening back up in LA because SAG, PGA, and JPC decided to work together and open it, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for Los Angeles. I think that, you know, this, this accustomation to the new way that we work has to be accepted and, and staying at home is not going to work for the region anymore. So with commercial and narratives getting back up, people will hopefully by this time next year, truly be used to the, the COVID uh, workflow that needs to happen on set. And with that too, we're going to see. We're going to see which types of productions thrive, which ones don't. Um, and kind of back to your bachelor comment, you know, with your girlfriend earlier, it's amazing that a show where people gather at a house can actually be the safest kind of production. It's one contained set. Um, you know, these, these traveling around to different parts of the U.S. shows Maybe not as much. So we're just going to have to see. Last question for you, Gregory. Moving forward 
for the production professionals that remain, how should they navigate the financial precarity that has become this industry, both from the COVID squeeze, but then also some of the unintended consequences of AB5 driving a lot of 1099 freelance work to uh, neighboring states like Nevada? It's it's really up to your personal decisions. For me personally, I decided that being Los An- in Los Angeles was not um, what I wanted to be doing for the foreseeable future, especially what we saw in 20, this back and forth between opening and closing. I saw a lot of opportunities to be able to make my own media outside of uh, Southern California. That's why I came back to Texas. Um, I, I have some opinions on the state of Texas's uh, income uh, benefits that they give small productions, but we can get into that later. Um, I think it's up to the individual and it's up to what you want out of your quality of life. If you're in a specialty, like you're in sound production, um, you're probably going to get more work out of state. If you have connections to other territories that are filming, like Vancouver, Louisiana, Atlanta, these are places with tax incentives. These are places where there are less restrictions. And these are places where productions are happening at a more frequent level. So you may decide to finally relocate to one of these uh, other territories. But you know, we got a lot of figuring out to do here in North America. And I really hope that um, I really hope that there is a safe and exciting space for anyone to find work in film and entertainment because it's deserved and it shouldn't be just reserved for one region. All right, Gregory Bordelon, thank you so much for joining us, giving us your Hollywood guru insights. We'll definitely be sourcing you again here in the future, man. Hey, namaste and uh, watch away. 